It debuted in 2001, quickly earned a global following. The next few films were even better received. The Lord of the Rings has been in our media culture for two decades now. How will its latest installment fare? Amazon has invested the most money for any television production in history, hoping that the power of the Lord of the Rings, based on J.R.R. Tolkien's famous writings, is still in high demand. Over $450 million. Yes, you heard me right. It's been in development for five years. Amazon is hoping the gamble pays off. Early reviews praise the series, which is set to explore what happened before the Fellowship of the Ring. Anticipation is something we all experience. We can't wait for the new or the better. And as Christians, we're looking forward with anticipation to the greatest new ever. Christ paid an immeasurable cost for it. The new heavens and the new earth, our future home. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. This is a program called The Power Behind Tolkien. That's the theme from the Lord of the Rings film series that debuted 21 years ago. Can you believe it? And even though the new Rings of Power series put out by Amazon was not produced with the same team, you can easily see the epic nature of these stories created by J.R.R. Tolkien. Well, today we're going to think a little more about this Oxford Don who created the Middle-earth epics. Who was he? What made him tick? And what was the power behind this man that we're still fascinated with by his stories so many years later? It speaks to the power of Tolkien's imagination on the one hand, but also I think his moral rootedness, his rootedness ultimately in the the Christian faith, that he's tapped into something that speaks to people across denominations, across walks of life. Dr. Joseph Leconte will be back with us in just a moment to help us connect the events of World War I and then the worldwide pandemic of the Spanish flu. How were these horrible things used in the lives of both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien? Well, stick around. I know you're going to enjoy our time with Joseph. And after the program, I'd like to send you his New York Times best-selling book or the audio version of it called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. Both Lewis and Tolkien fought in the trenches of World War I. They saw friends and strangers die daily. They each felt the darkness and despair closing in around them. And yet they found a profoundly deep faith in Jesus. So for your gift to this ministry, I want to send you the book in either paperback or audio version. Call us today after the program. 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. To make it easier, just say you want the Hobbit book or the Hobbit audio book. Or go to our website. You can make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Now, let's get this program on the road with Casting Crowns and Set Me Free. It hasn't always been this way. I remember brighter days before the dark ones came, stole my mind. Wrap my soul in chains 
now I live among the dead, fighting voices in my head, hoping someone hears me crying in the night and carries me Crying in the rain, all alone with my demons, I am. Who is this man that comes my way? The dark ones shriek, they scream his name. Is this the one they say will set the captive free? me free of the chain This is Haven Today, and we are rejoined by an old friend. He's in a state of flux, although he's a distinguished visiting 
history professor at Grove City College, Dr. Joseph Licanti. Good to have you back on the program. And for anyone that listens to us all the time, you are the guy that wrote the bestseller, New York Times bestseller, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. And it goes into how J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis rediscovered faith. And the subtitle is like a chapter out of the Bible. It's a long one, Joe. That's amazing. (laughs) But thank you for taking time to be back with us on the program today. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for having me. Amazon is releasing their billion-dollar TV series, The Lord of the Rings. The Rings of Power, it's called. And this may be the most ambitious and expensive TV show of all time, and it all comes out of a story by J.R.R. Tolkien about good versus evil, temptation of power, having hope when all hope is lost. Are you following this? Are you going to watch it like I am? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely will watch it. I want to see how they treat to Tolkien's amazing story. And, you know, Charles, it's, it speaks to the power of Tolkien's imagination on the one hand, but also I think his moral rootedness, his rootedness ultimately in the, in the Christian faith that he, he's tapped into something that speaks to people across denominations, across walks of life. He speaks deeply to, I think, our, our deepest aspirations as men and women, the kind of men and women we want to be, we want to have lives of purpose, uh, lives of value, significance, and, and with, with, a, with a moral cause, right? Being caught up in a great cause, something other than yourself. And that's, of course, so much of what the Lord of the Rings is about, the quest to destroy the ring. Just a fascinating, fascinating story and the fact that we're still talking about it decades after it was written. You're so right. And every theme you just mentioned sounds like a Christian theme, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, something that Scripture would wrestle with, good versus evil, and, you know, the ideas that are coming out of what Tolkien wrote. We've spent a lot of time on this program talking about C.S. Lewis. We've also talked about less, though, about Tolkien. You want to share with us a little bit about how Tolkien not only wrote, well, he wrote many things, but The Lord of the Rings, of course, is what most of the average people like me know about. He was a follower of Jesus, and he really, more than anyone else, was responsible for bringing C.S. Lewis to faith. Well, he's certainly one of the most important players in, in Lewis's story, his conversion to Christ. There's no question about it. And the remarkable conversation that they had in 1931 there at Oxford at Addison's Walk until about two in the morning, he and another guy, Hugo Dyson, they're discussing the faith with Lewis, who's an agnostic, is trying to understand the meaning and the purpose of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And he can't quite get it. And what, what Tolkien does is to help Lewis to understand that what, he, what Lewis loved about the ancient myths, the Greek and Roman myths, stories of a, of a God who comes to earth, the dying God, the sacrificial God, those elements that Lewis found attractive, they were in the Christian story. And the story of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, as Tolkien put it, that was the myth that became fact, the true myth. It's the myth that all the other great stories and myths, they're a a shadow, an intimation Mm -hmm. of the great myth. Mm -hmm. And when they have that conversation at Addison's Walk in 1931, that's the great breakthrough for Lewis, the intellectual breakthrough. And I don't know any other person on the planet at the time who could have spoken into Lewis's mind in the way that he did and have taken down down that barrier to understanding the faith. Uh, Tolkien's intelligence, his own Christian faith, he spoke to Lewis in a way that I, I don't think anyone else could have at that moment. You know, that's very interesting. Anytime we have a scholar on and they refer to the great myth, 
I feel like we need to explain that a little bit. Yeah. Myth, truth. Yeah. You know where I'm going with that. Explain sure. the great myth in using that term. Yeah. When, when people think about myths, they think about things that are stories that are not true. But as Diana Glyer, who wrote a terrific book about Lewis Tolkien and the Inklings, Diana Glyer puts it this way. What a myth really represents is it's the deepest values of a culture in narrative form. The deepest values of a culture in narrative form. That's what the great myths really are. So when Tolkien was referring to Christianity as a myth, he didn't mean it was false. He meant it's the true myth. It has this a mythic power, meaning there's a story here. It's a redemption story. Mm-hmm. And that's what he meant by myth. It's true. It's true. These other myths and stories, they have elements of the, of the truth in that they reflect the great myth, the Christian story, the myth that became fact. God becomes man. I always love hearing you explain that. Joseph, you know, since the last time we had you on the air a few years ago, who would have ever thought that that a war would be going on in Eastern Europe right now? Some of us in our ministry were there shortly after it broke out, and it's still going on today. Wars play a central role in these stories of Tolkien and Lewis, World War I, World War II. And yes. and I guess when I was there in Eastern Europe, when the war in Ukraine broke out and we did a couple of weeks worth of broadcasting, what struck me is how even younger, not just older people, were reflecting back on the Great War and World War II. Yeah. Tolkien and Lewis both fought in World War I, yeah. maybe the deadliest battle in British history, maybe. Can you Talk about what he experienced, what he went through. And then if you want to bring Lewis in on that, too, that that would be great. Yeah, I mean, this has to be one of the most formative influences in Tolkien's life. Anyone who lived through the First World War, who fought in the trenches, as Tolkien did, second lieutenant, a signals officer uh, with the British Expeditionary Force in France. And he is there at the Battle of the Somme. And at the Battle of the Somme, the British lost over 19,000 men on a single day a single day. That is a, an intense, fierce concentration of killing that the British Empire had never experienced before. And even to this day, it's the bloodiest battle in British history, military history. And that's a lot of military history when you think about the history of Great Britain. So Tolkien is caught up in the Battle of the Stone. And, and the, that battle went on for months. He survives it, but it's formative. And he even begins writing bits and pieces of his legendarium of Middle Earth. He begins writing bits and pieces of that while he's in the trenches Mm -hmm. under shell fire. So it's a formative experience, just as it was for Lewis. Lewis is an atheist at the time. I I think that war probably deepened his atheism, but we can get into that, uh, Charles. How do those experiences show up in some of the characters that you find in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, wow. I mean, neither Tolkien nor Lewis could be triumphalist about war. Mm. There was a realism Mm. about war. Mm. But also, I think what they saw in the trenches was incredible heroism, because Tolkien says explicitly, my Sam Gamgee, right, this hobbit, one of the most beloved characters in modern fiction, my Sam Gamgee is indeed a reflection of the ordinary English soldier in the trenches Mm. that he fought alongside. Mm. When I read that, when I learned that about Tolkien, I thought, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know the Hobbit was based on the English soldier in a trench doing his duty. So that's what we see. We see heroism under under fire. We see, of course, great fear and anxiety. And we also see in his various characters, what do we say? Well, it's the it's the temptation to power. 
the abuse of power, the destructive ability of modern technology. That's World War I. What's going on in Ukraine right now with Russia and what the Russians are doing to the Ukrainians? Mm -hmm. And Vladimir Putin, if we could say, without being partisan in any way, this strikes many of us as this is the will to power, Mm -hmm. an unprovoked Mm -hmm. act of aggression against a, a neighboring state, a nation state. That's what Russia has done to Ukraine. So the will to power was something that both Tolkien and Lewis, they had a ringside seat to that, Charles, not just in the First World War. And this is really the subject of, the, of much of the documentary film series I'm working on now. It's not only the First World War. Now they have to live through a Second World War. Mm-hmm. They lived through the aftermath of World War I, the 1920s and 1930s. What are we seeing in, in that period? The rise of new ideologies, communism, fascism, mm. scientism. Mm eugenics. Mm. And they've got a ringside seat to all of that in Great Britain. And now they've got to live through a Second World War beginning in 1939. Incredible. Mm. What do you make out of the life of Tolkien and then, of course, Lewis and their takeaways living in a, a rarefied academic world of Oxford? And yet they had themselves fought in the Great War. And uh, I guess Lewis was injured a bit himself, even. What's the takeaways for us today? I mean, the world isn't getting any better. I mean, you know, I'm (laughs) praying more every day that Christ, please, you got to come back soon. But uh, what's what's our takeaways for the rest of us, especially those of us who are Christ followers today? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question, Charles, that I'm still... That I'm still processing as I as I continue to study their lives, work on this film project, writing scripts for it, uh, delving more deeply into their lives, into their literature. Think about this. Here's a great takeaway. They write their epic works, many of them, right through the Second World War. Tolkien starts writing The Lord of the Rings in 1937. In 1938, there's the Munich Pact mm. when uh, the Western democracies trade away a portion of Czechoslovakia to Hitler for the promise of peace. And then within a matter of months, he invades the rest of Czechoslovakia and then it's Poland in 1939. So Tolkien is writing The Lord of the Rings right through the Second World War. Lewis gives his radio broadcasts that become mere Christianity on the BBC there right through the Second World War. Mm. The Screwtape Letters is conceived and written during the Second World War. The Space Trilogy is conceived and written during the Second World War. So what should we take away from that as, as Christians who are trying to follow Christ? have a sense of a calling and vocation. Here's one for me. Uh, Get on with your calling right now, today, no matter what the circumstances are. Great Britain is hanging by a thread. They don't know if their own country is going to survive. They don't know if Western civilization is going to survive, Charles. And what do they do? Mm -hmm. They get on with their callings as academics, as teachers, as tutors, and as writers of great epic fiction. They just get on with it. And they do it in community. That's the other great takeaway for me. The friendship between Tolkien and Lewis has to be one of the most important friendships of the 20th century. And then, of course, the larger circle of friends, the Inklings, who meet every week in Lewis's rooms, all Christian men, many of them war veterans from World War I, sharing their literature with each other, critiquing each other's works. Friendship, right? Friendship with a purpose. I mean, if that doesn't get us motivated and excited, then, you know, the last person out the door, turn off the lights over Mm. here, because we're not. And to think, Tolkien, he's driven as a Christian. He's driven by his faith, that he wants to share his faith, not not just with C.S. Lewis, but with others, too, I'm sure. Yeah. I think if you think about The Lord of the Rings, and this will be a spoiler alert for you or for some of your listeners (laughs) who haven't uh, seen the films or read the books, but if you think about how it ends— 
how it comes to a conclusion. How does Frodo end his great quest? This a quest to, to destroy the ring, Charles. When he gets to the cracks of Mount Doom, you remember what he does? He says, the ring is mine. The ring is mine. I shall not do what I came to do. In other words, he's overcome by the, by the evil and temptation. And how, does, how is the ring destroyed? It's not destroyed by Frodo. Right. It's not destroyed by the fellowship. Gollum, this hideous creature, Gollum, bites uh, the ring off of, of Frodo's finger and then falls and slips into the cracks of doom. And that's how the ring is destroyed. And the, the language that Tolkien uses to describe that is, the ring is destroyed by a sudden, miraculous grace. A sudden, miraculous grace. In other words, the evil that's within us, the evil outside of us, it's too much for us. It'll overcome us. We need help. We need help from the outside. We need a sudden, miraculous grace. That's one of the major themes of the story, isn't it? Well, isn't that the gospel? (laughs) Isn't that a huge part of the gospel message at the end of the day? We need help outside of us, ultimately, to overcome evil. We can't do it on our own, Mm. right? Mm. The hero doesn't do it on his own. He doesn't. He fails. Frodo fails in his quest. He needs grace from the outside to accomplish his quest. What a parallel to all of our lives just coming from Tolkien. Thank you. That's that's so good. Joseph Leconte, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You're uplifting to my soul. Thank you for being back with us on Haven today. Well, thank you, brothers. Right back at you. I hope to be back again soon. God bless all you do. Sometimes I'm strong. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes I fall. and grace that won't let me go featuring mark harris on this haven today 
I'm Charles Morris. It was so good to have Dr. Joseph Leconte back on the program again. He can truly make history come alive, can't he? And that's exactly what he'll do for you when you read his New York Times bestselling book called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. He's really the first person I've heard who showed how the catastrophic experience of World War I shaped the lives, faith, and creativity of J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Well, this book is a great read. It'll remind you that the Lord truly does work all things together for good for his people, even in the horrors of war. Those two men fought in the trenches of Europe. They saw friends and countrymen die. But Joseph Leconte shows how both Tolkien and Lewis found faith, friendship, and heroism, despite the gloom and darkness all around them. Well, my prayer is that this book, whether in the audio or the printed paperback, will turn your eyes off of the events of today, and you can cast your eyes and find a stronger faith in Jesus. Call us right now. Ask for the Hobbit Wardrobe Great War book. The number to call, 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or find out more by going to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have the book that we had last week, the story of a prodigal and her father, written together, called Come Back Barbara. Ask about that when you call or read about it when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There's a scene in the classic story of Alice in Wonderland that I come back to every now and then. A lost Alice runs into a hookah smoking caterpillar. And in this encounter, the caterpillar asks, Who are you? It's a question we should ponder. Alice no longer knew who she was. Do you define yourself by what you do or by what Christ has done for you? Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who we are, blood-bought and beloved. That's our identity. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.